Good. Okay, we are going. Right, I'm very, very excited about the, this episode of the show today because we're going to talk about something which is heavily neglected industry, but probably one of the biggest factors in it, uh, which is that of business. I've got someone on the show today who's built up a very impressive and prevalent online presence, got some fantastic transformations and putting out consistently great content. Today's guest on the show is Mr. Adam Parr. Adam, how are you today? Good, good. Nice intro. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, very good, thanks. Brilliant. And um, you said that you've got a very specific diary. It's very, it's very well organised. Um, it's a Wednesday today. And what do Wednesdays entail for you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just quite strict with my um, sort of time management, as in like I have Wednesdays completely off. So that for me, that's an office day. I will never book a client in on a Wednesday, work from home, get all my online stuff done. Um, but yeah, it's just diary management, really. Just trying to get organised. And how have you, um, do you have a high volume of online? What's the ratio between one-to-one clients and online clients right now? Yeah, so basically I've, I've been in the industry like nine years now. So started off commercial gym, working in fitness first. And back then I used to do 40, 50 hours a week on the gym floor. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of drifted away. So it was actually, you know, Jordan Peters? Yes, yeah. Jordan was actually the one who introduced me. That was about five years ago. He said, oh, I know a gym that's opening in town mm. in Birmingham. He said, I know the owner's site. And Jordan took me down. So I was mates with Jordan from Loughborough. Mm. And he said, there's a new gym opening in town. Do you want to come and work here? So Jordan, like, introduced me. So I started then working out of Birmingham Ultimate Fitness in town. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, leaving the commercial gym setting and going into, like, a privately owned gym... Um, was the best thing I ever did because have you ever worked in a commercial gym? I have, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Me, I just don't like being told what to do. <laughs> I mean, my wife will vouch for that, but you know, being told you can't wear that, you can't eat in that place, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't stick your poster there, you can't advertise here, that annoyed me. So when I started working out of a freelance gym, I started my own brand, AJP Performance. I could brand how I wanted, I could do my own marketing. Sounds silly, but you can wear what you want, so you're comfortable when you're peating. All these little things, you can start putting your own stamp on your business. So I started doing that. And then it was in 2013, I started getting into online training. Mm -hmm. And that was because I competed for the first time in 2013. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of happened back to front for me because I I did a competition and I did well at the competition. And suddenly I had a lot of followers on social media. And suddenly, people literally overnight just started messaging me saying, can you do me a food plan? Can you do me a training plan? So I didn't really have any of the back office in place. And then people started messaging me. So I made a lot of mistakes back then with online training. I didn't have it all set up correctly. So I sort of learned back to front. But today, as it stands, I've got a good system in place. I have a procedure that I take all my online clients through. I have a system. Um, it's scalable. Um, and I've just sort of learned from mistakes and how to, to do everything. So I've balanced my time now by basically, I, I cap myself. So I only do 15 to 18 hours a week in the gym and they will be at strict times. So half six, half seven, half eight in the morning, then I'll have half an hour food break and then I'll book a client in at 10 or 11 and then after that I'm finished. So I don't train anyone in the afternoons or anyone in the evenings because I know after that, I'm working from home and I'm working on my online business. That's a fantastic split and it's really, really, um, it's really, it's great how you've got it so honed in and, and tight knit and 
if you rule your diary with iron fist like that, that's where the kind of success happens. And early on in your career, in, in general as PTs, we all know it's very tempting to whore yourself out. And, you know, a client will say, can I do 8 p.m. in the evening and you don't have anyone in from three and then you've got five hours of sitting around. You end up becoming a busy fool. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, mm. Whereas you've, you're a, a very good example of somebody who's applied a, a very strong business head to an industry where people neglect it. Um, would you say for you know if, if a PT's just started out, say they've either just qualified or they're in the first one to two years as a trainer, and um, they're at a commercial gym right now, what would your number one piece of advice be to them? I think stage one, when you're first becoming a trainer in your early stage, first one is fill your diary. Mm-hmm. You need to get busy, and you know you need to you need to get busy. You need to put time in on the gym floor. And you need to learn your craft. They have that thing, you know, the ten pounds an hour rule, isn't it? You know, you've got to put, you've got to make mistakes, you've got to deal with different clients, you've got to learn your craft. But then, after that, you know, then it's going to come the price increases, and then this is what I always say to people: you're going to reach a time as a trainer in the gym when you reach the ceiling of the amount of money that you can earn. There's so many, there's only so many hours in a week, and there's, you know, you can only trade time for money for so long. And each trainer reaches that point when there's no more hours in the week. They're getting up at six in the morning, still in the gym at six at night. They're not seeing their partner. They've got no social life. And they're like, well, I can't cut down my hours because I've got I'm committed to these clients. I need my money. And they're trapped. And the thing is, that's when people want to get into online training. And that's the benefit of online training because you can sort of work on your terms and it's a lot more scalable. I'm going to put the cat amongst the pigeons here, and it's a little bit, um, I wouldn't say a controversial statement, but do you think that there has to be a rite of passage where you earn that right to be an online trainer like yourself? Because, you know, I think that you can't bypass the man hours that you need to, and you need to appreciate, you know, getting up at half five and and doing, you know, about a thousand gym inductions for people who are never going to do the programs again in a commercial gym. And I think that it's that kind of going through that process and going through the actual volume of interactions with people that kind of builds that mentality of, right, I've got to really think about how I can maximise my income because I don't want to do this forever. So do you think that it is very important to get that experience in early on in your career and then build forward based on the hard work you put in? I think so, yeah. I I believe in that. I think that you need to be a good coach in person first and then transition to the online training. Hmm. Um, I know not everyone would agree, maybe, but I think that's the way. Mm. Um, but the, the transition into online training, and I think the, the step that people miss out is, if, so if you're a trainer now in the gym and you haven't got many online clients, but you want online clients, the transition is producing content. Mm. That's the key. And that's what people are missing. So if you want online clients... It's like your market will tell you when you're ready to start being an online trainer because you'll start getting messages from people saying, oh, hi, Chris. Hi, Adam. You know, I followed you for months. I love your content. Um, you put out some really really good stuff. Do you sell diet plans? Do you sell nutrition plans? Do you know what I mean? Mm. But if you're a trainer and you're not putting any content out there, you're not going to get people inquiring about online trainers. Mm. And obviously, I, know, I assume you know about Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. His his biggest thing is jab, 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 right hook. That's his favorite, um, like saying. Mm. And obviously what he means by that is the jab, jab, jab for personal trainers is content, 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 and then you go in for the sale. Mm. But what I sort of see trainers doing is 
their social media pages will be maybe a selfie, maybe about them, nothing about their clients, no content, they're not helping people. Mm. And then they'll drop a message saying online training available. Mm. And they've sort of missed out the jabs and they're just going in for that hard sale. Yeah. I think that online, because it's so, so high volume, um, the, one of the biggest things is that, sorry, there's a little bit of feedback, Adam, is the microphone quite high? It's a bit squeaky, but I can still hear. Okay, sweet. Um, yeah, I think one of the things is that you know, it's saying about that jab, jab, punch type of thing, is that I think that someone who is constantly going for the sell, so saying I only have three spaces left or online training available, like you said, I think there's a level of desperation, but you lose somebody's trust. Whereas I think the massive integrity is by someone who literally just wants to put out information. And I'm a big, uh, I'm a big believer in like you know the, the people like Simon Sinek and, and then all those YouTube videos about mindset and business application. And one of the things that resonates with me that I try and think when I'm putting my online presence together is try to be some a person of value, not someone of success. And I think with online avatars, people try and overly emphasise that they're successful when in reality they're not because they're all always trying to put a, across a product. When one of the things that I've noticed from following you is that it's almost on a daily regime, you're putting up your own kind of infographics about, um, you know, in layman's terms. So it's it's science because obviously you've got that sporting background, but it's to, you know, your average um, gym goer whose knowledge isn't isn't probably the highest, but it's something they can apply, which is really great. Yeah, no, that's what I try. So I almost try and imagine, imagine you're someone looking at your account and say, oh, you, you go on your Instagram page now or your Facebook page mm. and you scroll through your feed and you've got to think, am I helping people? Mm. Is someone going to look at my page and think, oh, I love following this guy. He always puts out something useful, something I can take home, something tangible that I can actually implement. Mm. And it, if, if your page is just all about you or, you know, just clips of you training all the time, that's not actually helping anyone. Mm. And do you I think, think that's the difference? Do you think that's why you um, obviously is, is deliberate in your sense that you, you're very much a client focused page, and then you cover all your training in your Instagram story. So you you're showing that it's not necessarily about um, yourself. You'll obviously highlight your training so people can see what you're up to. Because I think there's always that level of inquisitiveness with regards to what people are doing. But if you're actually to go on your page, it's just totally about your transformations and the information that you put out. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think two things. I think as a trainer, you need to have. Um, I know Nick Mitchell from UP Fitness. He's quite strong. He's quite outspoken, isn't he? Yeah. But he says it's blunt, and I actually really agree with him. He says, like, to be a trainer, you have got to look the part. Mm. You've got to walk the walk to a certain degree. Whether you're a bodybuilder, powerlifter, crossfitter, whatever it is you do, mm. I think you need to reach a certain level that your clients will respect you. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, I do put on my page me lifting weights, mm. you know, or training. So people know this guy knows what he's talking about. He's not just, you know, like a keyboard warrior sitting there. So I think that's important. Yeah. But then also, obviously, if I always say to people, if, if you are going to buy an online training plan of someone, who are you going to purchase off? Someone who you can constantly see who's putting up results and what I would call social proof. So like social proof is testimonials or before and afters you know they're seeing people with results following your program or are you just going to get a program off someone who just sit on their page just put online training now available with a nice logo mm. do you see the difference yeah, yeah. so i think that's how i view it 
it's about building integrity in your brand really and that's obviously worked for you because you're saying that the um, internship program that you've developed didn't happen as something that was intentional it actually happened by default because you were getting inquiries for that so how, how does that work with you and what type of things do you cover in that yes yeah, so with, with, with the internship I, I would probably wouldn't have had the confidence to go out there and, and make a post saying do you want an internship someone actually messaged me and said Hi mate, would you be prepared to do an internship with me? I'd like to learn, um, you know, uh, some bits and bobs basically. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was touched that someone messaged me. So then I put together a course from there, and then I posted about the internship, and it sort of snowballed from there really. Because then when I posted about it, um, I think we're on six or seven now. Wow! So wow. it sort of sort of rolled out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good example. That's like the online training. I think that's an example of how your market will dictate to you, dictate to you mm. when you're ready for it. Do you see what I mean? So, mm. but with the internship, it's sort of broken down into two stages. And the the first stage is a lot about business and goal setting because, like I was saying just off air to you before we started, I think a lot of trainers are, you know, great talking about themselves and, and their diets and their trainings. But when it comes to business, um, asking them how much money that they earned, etc., they haven't got a clue. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. I always believe your number one goal should be to help people. Mm. But that being said, who doesn't want to earn more money? Mm. You want to pay your mortgages. You want to have a nice holiday. You want to provide for your family. You want to earn more money. And a lot of PTs stop in this industry simply because they don't earn enough money. Mm. So I think it's really important. If you were training a client, you would set them goals. That's the number one thing, goal setting, short, medium, long-term goals. But PTs fail to do that step with finance. You know, what is your goal income? What do you want to earn? And if someone says, you know, I want to earn 50 grand a year. Okay, that's great. Well, you need to break it down. So if you want to earn 50 grand a year, divide 50 by 12 months, what's, what's that? Four, call it four grand a month. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more, isn't it? Yeah. So you've got to earn four grand a month. Now you need to work out how you're going to do it. But realistically, it's not 12, it's 11 months because mm-hmm. you're going to want two weeks holiday in the summer. You're going to want a week off at Christmas and then a week off throughout the year. So actually, you need to earn about four and a half grand a month. Now, just this simple steps, people never do. And then you're thinking, right, well, if I need to earn four and a half grand a month, what are my different revenue streams? And any good business has got multiple revenue streams, so they won't have all their eggs in one basket. And I think this is where some trainers will go wrong, is their sole income will come from one-to-one PT on the gym floor. Now, that's great, and that's good, but then what happens when you get injured? What happens when you have a freak accident and you can't get to work? You can't earn any money. Do you know what I mean? So almost spreading your eggs and having multiple revenue streams. So, for example, one revenue stream could be one-to-one PT. Another one could be a digital product that you have. Another one could be online training. Then you could run some sort of competitions or boot camps, or maybe you do spin classes or yoga classes. They're all different revenue streams, Mm. and it's important to get that set up. And then each one kind of dilutes the 50 grand in itself where, you know, then it suddenly becomes 25 is only one-to-one, uh, exactly. 10 is online. So you, you sit down and you think, right, well, to earn my goal income, I need to be doing 25 sessions a week. You know that. Mm-hmm. And then you work out, say you need to sell six online plans a month. 
But once you know that, you sort of, it's like following the training plan. You've got a purpose. So you get out of bed and like, right, I've got to do 25 sessions this week. I know I've got to do that. And if I do 25 sessions this week, I'm on track to earn my 50 grand this year. Mm. And then you can reflect and see how you're doing each month. Mm. So you need to stop at the end of January and look, well, how many online plans did I sell this month? Was it a good month? Was it a bad month? Mm. Well, I only sold two plans this month. Something's going wrong. So you look at your business, you make some changes. But most trainers won't do this step. Mm. But then when you look at your whole year as well, you should be able to know if someone asked you, when was your best month of the year? When was your worst month of the year? Now, for 90% of trainers, your best month of the year is going to be January. Mm -hmm. So, well, it should be because <laughs> everyone's on the fitness hype. Mm. So January is probably the one month that you don't really want to be putting a sale on because people are going to be keen to, to purchase PT anyway. Mm -hmm. If you knew, looking at your calendar, you're like, well, blimey, like November's a terrible month. It's coming up to Christmas. People are cutting back on their disposable income. They're probably not going to buy PT then. Mm. So for the last three years, what I've done, November is Black Friday. Mm -hmm. That's just a great example. So if, you, if you're already doing the analysis in advance and you know that you're going to have a bad month in November, mm. put on a sale for Black Friday mm -hmm. so then you know that you're bringing up your income in November because you know it's going to be a quiet month. Mm -hmm. and I think that you've, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head so many different avenues there. And funnily enough, I did the same with my, with my online services. For any online client last Black Friday, if they bought by the end of uh, the day, they got um, a service that would take them through to the end of January. So they bought if they bought three months. And that way you're getting people through the, the hardest time of the year with regards to income and compliancy, but they've bought in for after the hardest period, which is the end of January. So it makes a huge amount of sense to not only periodize like obviously we periodize our training but it's periodizing your business at the smartest times like maybe the the two three months before summer is a good time uh three months before christmas but obviously you don't want to be doing a huge marketing campaign at december when that's going to be well personal training is going to be right down on the bottom of priorities do you yeah exactly um but that simple step of the goal setting the financial setting looking at your calendar throughout the year working out when you're going to put a campaign on and whatnot People miss out that step, mm. and that's really, really important. Do you think it's very ironic as well, the fact that, you know, we're in an industry where so many, like you said before, so many people obsessed with themselves, like they could tell you how many grams of protein they had in one day and how many reps they did and how many sets they did in, in a workout, yet, like you said, if they fail to work back and say, right, how many, you know, how much you're charging right now, how many hours you want to do, um, and they, they just don't know the numbers and I think that's the biggest thing is that it's such a powerful thing but if you just sit there for maybe an hour with the spreadsheet and just work back it's just such valuable data that, you, that can help your business directly yeah I couldn't, I couldn't agree more and thanks, I, I'm not sitting here saying I've always been good at this stuff like mm. I, I was terrible to start with but I think it helped my wife's an accountant yeah. so some, some of her qualities with numbers tracking data have sort of rubbed off a little bit and that's why I think I've got a little bit better at it. Mm. And do you um, do you find that, uh, what's what's the most common problem that you find with pe people have on their internships? Um, well, everyone's different, that's hard to say. Mm. Um, but a common point that I think I get across to everyone is probably one of the I think one of the first things I'll probably say is, you know, focus on yourself. Mm. As in, like, make sure that you look the part, you're, you're walking the walk. 
the, the probably second point I talk about is knowledge is everything. Mm. And I'm, I know you're going to agree with this because just for listening to your podcast and stuff and following you, I know how much you invest in your career. Mm. But I, I always say to trainers, you should be investing all the time in your career. Now, it's sort of, it's going to go in two phases because when you start off at the very start of your career, you're probably not going to have the money mm. to go and spend a couple grand doing a Poliquin course, no. which is understandable. But what I say to everyone in the early early stages while your business is building, there's absolutely no excuse why you cannot read. Every, like, let's just take that Poliquin, for example. Mm. Like, his course is a couple grand, probably more. So if you can't afford that, you can go on the internet and literally read every single article that Poliquin has done for free. Mm-hmm. Go on YouTube, watch every single video that he's ever done for free. Mm. Like, there's no excuse not to be learning. Mm. You know, you've got podcasts like this, you've got mm. Audible. There's all these different resources that as a trainer, you should be taking in information on a daily basis. Mm. Because if you're not, there's loads of other trainers that are, and you're going to get left behind. And then eventually when you do start making more money, then obviously reinvest in your career. So I think that's it. Normally say to spend 10 to 20% of your profit mm. back back in your business. Yeah, and it's and, and I'm, I'm sure you'll do this as well is because you do have multiple streams of income. You'll look at it. I look at things like in a visual perspective where, right, let's just say, for example, online is going to pay my mortgage for, you know, that's my mortgage. Uh, PT is going towards savings. This is going towards that. This stream is going towards that. And maybe like the passive online product, which doesn't require uh, that much management because it's going such as, you know, maybe an online book or something like that. That is a a pop purely for redevelopment of the business and self-education. So is that something you do where you have like pillars where each revenue goes to a different thing? Um, I I don't actually work like that. I would just sort of put money aside, you know, when, Mm. when money's coming in, just put it aside and then decide what I'm doing from there. So I'm probably not organized to that degree. (laughs) Um, But I was going to ask, I mean, I bet you, you must've spent thousands. Uh, Um, Right. Okay. Well, let me think. I'll have, uh, we can have a a call. I'm I'm really interested to know the answer to this. Right. So let's see what I've done. Um, Biosignature, I've done, um, I've done kinetic chain enhancement. I've done advanced program design. That's with Poliquin. Um, FMS, uh, way back, in, that was about 2012. Um, I've done a lot of one-to-one internship and courses with uh, Tom Hibbert at Winning Health Solutions. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd estimate I wouldn't. It's it's definitely about. I'd I'd be I'd be comfortable at saying it's about fifteen, fifteen thousand. Um, I thought you were going to say more, but yeah, that's just a great a great example. If someone's listening, like of how much you need to reinvest back into your knowledge. If, if you want to keep progressing mm. throughout your career, Yeah, awesome. I mean, I mean, it, it becomes like, you, you, I think there's something, you can't become a course junkie and it's like it's a period, it, you've got to periodize the kind of thinking in, in a sense where you go, right, learn, 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 apply, learn, 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 apply. And you can't, you can't go through phases where you're just learning because it can be dangerous where it's um, kind of a too many cooks thing where you're looking at somebody and you're trying to do everything, like rebalance the hormones, rebalance the biomechanics. And at the end of the day, this is why it gravitates me towards you, is that simple and basic always works. The things behind it, the layers that you learn are just nice additions, which can delve a bit deeper. 
But at the end of the day, there's no point in going into advanced biochemistry and looking at the Krebs cycle if you can't get someone to stick to a basic calorie-controlled diet. So, Yeah, I couldn't agree more of what you just said. And I think I made a post about it a while ago. So you as a trainer, or like not you specifically, yeah, yeah. anyone as a trainer, yeah. you can have the best nutrition plan. It can be laid out awesome. It can have all the macro breakdowns. It can say everything for your clients to follow. Mm. Their training program can be broken down into all these fancy terminologies, yeah. you know, everything. But it all comes down to, as a trainer and with your client, if you don't motivate your client, it's mm. all a waste of time. Mm. So... Like obviously, doing all these courses is great. Having all the knowledge is great. Mm. But the number one thing you've got to do as a trainer is get your client to adhere to the diet and adhere to the training program and motivate them. And I think I think that's one of the biggest advantages I'd say is obviously we spoke about disadvantages of being a commercial gym as you grow as a brand. But it's one of the biggest advantages of starting off there because you see that volume of average day people, which is, you know, 90% of the online market are going to be those people. And you've got to think what a dad of, you know, what a dad of two who's working 40 hours a week at a desk, what's going to be applicable to him rather than giving him six meals a day of 30 grams of protein, 30 grams of carbs and 10 grams of fat and saying, right, this is going to get you lean. It's like, yeah, we know that's going to get you lean in theory, but how do you make it, you know, break it down for someone and like I say, in, in the stuff that you put up, it's just about, it's like the patience and consistency. And when you're putting those messages out as a coach, it's very important because that's what your audience see. And I think audience buy into your ethos um, and that's what would make them, you know, work with you or work, want, want to buy something from you. Yeah. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad that's come across from a page. That's oh, good yeah. to know. 100%. But, also, I think, like... With 90, I don't know, say 90, well, let's say 90% of clients, you can get results with them by motivating them, getting them to drink more water, increasing their needs, just doing more steps on a daily basis, eating more vegetables, and increasing their protein intake and controlling their overall calorie intake. Mm-hmm. If you just did those, what was that, five, six simple steps? Mm. 90% of people are going to get results. You will get people, you will get that 5-10% who obviously need more attention. They might have crashed dieted in the past. They might have some complex situations. Mm. But most people you should be able to get results with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously I know the, it's myself interviewing you, but one thing that I've, it's a habit that I've got into, well, I'm trying to apply as much as I can. And it's, it's ridiculously simple. Like I said, I've, 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 I have invested a lot in my education, but this tip right now is something that, I couldn't recommend more and it's just set a reminder on your phone every day at like 12 o'clock really have it consistent Monday Wednesday to Friday and um and have it go off at 12 and it just basically says text everybody who's in either online or one-to-one clients just text them very simple sentence how are you feeling and I think that it's not like it's not as aggressive as have you done your steps or have you eaten your meals or have you doing that? It's not that it's not like you're trying to crack the whip. It's more so is are you you're relating them from an emotional point of view? How is your day going? How are you feeling? Are you able to comply with what I've asked? Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. Yeah. One of the things, um, so in the first part one of the internship, we talk about um, in the gym PT. Hmm. So imagine if you're a trainer and you just starting off your business and you've got your first five clients, then you go on to your first 10 clients I really emphasize the point is that you've got to treat those five to ten clients like gold dust. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and just go the extra mile with them. I mean, you should do it throughout your whole career, but I'm yeah. saying even more so when you're first starting off and, you, and you're trying to build your business. 
and like just like you just said text them when it's not their session ask them how they are mm. um you know little thing, I, I brought my client the other day um just a little resistance band to help her warm up it cost me 2.99 off amazon mm. tiny little thing but when you just walk into the session it's like oh here you are here's your little band i want you to keep this i want you to use this for your warm-ups now mm. And then she was like, this is for me. I was like, yeah, yeah it's for you. you know, and then like little things like that, I call just like client care. Just mm. go a tiny bit above and beyond for your client. Mm. And they love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is just showing people that you care because that's the way, that's why you're in the industry. And, and I think that you know, that's the most important thing. When people feel cared about, they, they, they almost want to get the result for you because they can see how much you're putting into them. And it's like the more you put into them, in, in every sense the more they put into you and then it's a nice blend for getting results which is at the end of the day the most important thing isn't it yeah and then another thing i said to trainers is also like put as much effort into your clients as they put into you mm. because if you say let's say, if you've got an online client and and they're checking in with you all the time and they're picking your brains and, and like they're fully replying to all your emails and they're giving you everything give them everything back mm. you know but like sometimes you if a client's not checking in on time, missing check-ins, giving you like one-word answers, you know, only give them as much as they're giving you to a degree, like mm. don't flog a dead horse. Do you mm. see what I'm saying? You know, and it's just energy it's, management, really. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So um, I'm, I'm going to have to talk about the C word now uh, because um, I think that it's, it's great for a bit. Well, not controversy. I actually used to work, before I was at Frontline, I worked in a CrossFit box uh, I, wonder, I wonder what you're going to say then. I going. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to. I like to keep people intrigued and guessing. But yeah, so um, I worked in a CrossFit box just before I went to Frontline. There was um, it was a big box downstairs, and then a, a gym upstairs with a load of hammer strength kit. I worked up, up there as a personal trainer. It was my first kind of um, being around it. I've actually I'm in the process. I haven't written it down, but it will be out in the next few weeks or months. Um, an article called "The Problem with CrossFit" and. The reason why I'm giving like drip feeding it now is that it's actually it's a it's an attention seeking title because I'm not in any way shape or form going to slate CrossFit. It's more so how I would apply remedial work to CrossFit to make it a little bit more um, for injury prevention. But like we spoke about off air, um, you're a massive advocate of it. Uh, what got you into it, and um, why does it obviously work for you? Well, first, I'm, I'm not a CrossFitter by any means, okay. but. I do, I do appreciate CrossFit a lot, and I think it, it was only about a month ago. I went to I went to Kuwait with my sponsors, Grenade, mm. and I got flown out with James St. Ledger. Mm. Now I don't know if you would have heard of James, but he's yeah, a top, James, yeah. he's a top top CrossFitter. I think he's ranked eighth or ninth in, in Europe. He's, he's ranked very high. To mm. so a quick summary, I'm six foot three and 111 kilos, mm. so I'm a big lump. Mm. James is, I think he's maybe 5'11 and 85 kilos, a lot, lot smaller. When we went to Kuwait, we trained together. James outlifted me. <laughs> he front squatted more than me. He military pressed more than me. His resting heart rate was about 15 beats lower than me. He's, you know, everything about him, he's got gymnastics, everything about him. And I was just like, he blew me away. I was like, this guy mm. is awesome. Do you know what I mean? And it yeah. sort of made me step back and realise, I was like, you know, his power to strength ratio is so much higher than me. Mm. But at the same time, he's got a lot more aerobic capacity than me. Mm. His anaerobic fitness is better than me. And it sort of opened my eyes to CrossFit a bit. Mm. So then since then, I've just tried to get into it a bit more, followed a few of their workouts. Um, but yeah, I think CrossFit's got a bad rep 
just because people always film the worst bits of it. Yeah. And then in a Vans lifter goes for a snatch and then miss it. That's the bit that gets filmed. Mm. If you have you watched the CrossFit documentaries on Netflix? No, I haven't. No. I would highly recommend watching them. And obviously they do a documentary of the CrossFit Games. They follow Matt Fraser, Rich Froning. Mm. You, you can't help but watch them and be inspired to train. Like They are taking things to the next level. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's the athleticism is, is incredible. And one thing that really opened my eyes is that obviously, you know, in the world of powerlifting, bodybuilding, strongman, everyone likes the core CrossFit. And I just remember my first, the first time I ever had to do it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like when you went they go in the hole. Is it the hole? What do they call it? The cave. The cave, that's one. Um, yeah. And they say the, you go into the cave. And the guys who are actually um, the um, coaches at the box, they'd finished the workout, cooling down and probably having a workout shake. And I was halfway through and quivering mess. And that was coming from what I thought was, a, was a, you know, I, I thought was fit. Um, so it is every kind of aspect. It does build that. And for anybody who wants to knock it or go, oh, it's, you know, it's it's this, this or this. My only piece of advice then, my number one piece of advice then is just try a wad and then yeah. get back to me. Um, yeah, I remember I was saying to James, James was asking me about my training on the flight out. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's a bit of bodybuilding. I love doing strength training. I love lifting heavy. I said, sometimes I do a bit of cardio after my workout. You know, I might probably like row 500 meters, you know, three, four reps. And he sort of looked at me, and he's like, oh, yeah. I said, why do you do that with your training? And he's like, yeah, my coach programs that in for me. He said, oh, we, we build up to like 10, 20 reps. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, you do 20 reps? And that just sort of made me think, wow, you know, like there's so much more to, you know, I thought I was doing quite a bit, doing mm. three or four reps. And then when I heard like CrossFitters would averagely bang out 20 reps on 500-meter intervals, mm. I thought, do you know what? I need to up my game on training. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's very eye-opening when you get to it. I mean, my only my only criticism, and I've got nothing like, you know, I'm more than happy for any CrossFit coach to get in touch and correct me if I'm wrong, is just how, how a little bit sporadic it is. Like for me, and, and probably yourself as well, is that I like to be very structured in my training as this is what I'm doing. And one thing I couldn't handle from a CrossFit perspective is not knowing what I was doing that day. And I think that's actually why it's so popular, because people are like, oh, you know, today I'm going to snatch, today I'm going to back squat, today I'm going to front squat. But the only problem with that is that those movements do get strengthened, but in time, whereas for me, I'll, I'll, I'll periodize a block for myself. I was like, right, you're going to do deadlift every Friday for 16 weeks. And do, you know just- what, do you know what I think? So, like, again, I am not a CrossFitter, but I, know, I think if someone was a CrossFitter listening to this, what they'd say to you is obviously when they compete, like everyone's doing the Open right now, aren't they? Like they did 18.1 and stuff. Mm. They don't know what the workouts are until literally like on the day. Do you know what I mean? So I mm. think they're sort of training them ethos you need to be prepared for anything yeah so they need to get used to walking into a gym they don't know what's coming and their coach just says right you gotta do 20 muscle ups blah 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 so i think that's part of the reason yeah no i definitely agree with that and and one thing that you do see is that you do get guys who are you know anywhere from 75 to 85 kilos and and the, the body to weight strength is ridiculous you know the squatting over double body weight for reps and especially the americans who are, who are at the top like your rich thronings and that they they are you know ridiculously strong. Um, do you find that you know you would do you think there's any sports specificity in it? Would you see like obviously in, are, you, are you playing any form of rugby right now or? No, I stopped, I stopped rugby about four or five years ago now. Mm. Um, I tried to make a few comebacks, but yeah. when I had time off, 
I followed very much a bodybuilding routine. Mm. So to then go back onto the pitch yeah. and get into dynamic rugby, there's a massive, massive difference between looking aesthetically good mm. in a gym and then being functionally fit for rugby. Chalk yeah. and cheese. Yeah. Like, I mean, even if you saw some of the England Six Nation players at the moment, if mm. you saw them without their top on, you'd you know they're not even that impressive mm. put them on a rugby pitch fucking hell incredible yeah. what they do yeah but do you think crossfit would actually be one of them very applicable to maybe a winger and maybe a prop it'd be more the strongman side overcoming inertia type of thing but do you think that these kind of hybrid um disciplines such as strongman and crossfit are more a more sport specific it's just it's a term i'm not really that um that keen on but would you, do you think they apply a bit more specificity to the rugby field just because you're, you're obviously working the cardio output but you're working the strength output and being different movements, different planes of movement? Yeah, 100% couldn't agree more. When I used to be, when I used to play professional and do the rugby full time, all our training back then, it was exactly what the CrossFit is. Right. It was, it was strength training, it was pushing yourself, but then it was doing intervals running and you know, tire flipping and car pushing and all this stuff, mm. um, which, you know, exactly the same as CrossFit, except with they've obviously got all their gymnastic skills, etc. Mm. So have you, have you got any goals regarding the CrossFit training? Is it something you, you're looking to explore? Because you're hitting, some, you're hitting some very decent numbers in the squats and deadlifts. No, yeah, I'll, I've always loved squats and deadlifts. Yeah. That's my thing. No, absolutely. I'm never going to be a CrossFitter. I think at six foot three and 111 kilos, it's a bit too <laughs> ambitious to uh, be doing that. Do you know what? The literally the only reason I'm doing it is to enjoy my training, and that is it. I think sometimes I think as a workout of a bodybuilding gym, mm. I can get roped into Mondays back and biceps, or you know, mm. and then sometimes I think after I've just been following that for some some time, I'm just like, Do you know, what? I'm just a bit bored, and I just want to get on the rower and thrash it until I feel a bit dizzy. Do you know what I mean? And I'll just want to do something different, you know, and even just the sets and reps. So you know, this, this standard. You're hitting like three sets of five or three sets of ten doing a bodybuilding split. Mm. And when you mix it up just with CrossFit and say you just hit like uh, two reps every minute on the minute, mm. just little things like that, you know, it's literally just variety just to make sure that you're enjoying your training. Mm. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds brilliant. Cool. So let's uh, finish off with your products. So if people are impressed with what you have to say, what do you have to uh, offer uh, them? Uh, well, yeah, I think we touched on the internship, yep. which is, um, you know, it's just like half a day private internship, which I've been doing more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's it's mainly the online training um, and the other product as well is that I run my 12-week photo shoot challenge, mm-hmm. which is, I'm just about to launch the seventh 7th edition of it. So it's been running a while now. Um, so there's a few different things, but they can all be found on my website, which is ajpperformance.co.uk or my Instagram is at Adam James Parr. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, I just want to sincerely thank you for coming on the show, Adam. This is some really great content for the for trainers out there who are looking to improve their online presence uh, and improve the business, which is a, which is a big, very very neglected in in the industry. I was actually saying to a client this morning how when you do your level three, they'll teach you about anatomy insertion points and rep ranges, but you don't even touch on things like finances. And you know, you you never do that in any other discipline. You'd never do that. Um, but in the PT industry, it's completely overlooked. So the information you gave out today on business and, and management of that uh, was fantastic. So thanks very much for coming on, buddy. Uh, and uh, I'll look out for all your upcoming posts on social media. Nice one.